Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, can you say an amen? Amen. I've been praying for the last 30 minutes and we believe that God has heard us. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. If you believe that the Lord is setting you, is removing everything that's against his will out of your life, give me an amen. Amen. You know, there are plans that you have made. They, are not, they look good in your eyes. But this evening, God says, mm, that's the end of them. Are you not the one that prayed? Uh-huh. And that's what prayer is, to yield ourselves. Remember we said the prayer of worship comes in how many forms? Three. Praise, thanksgiving, and what? Consecration. Yes, we'll consecrate ourselves. That God, let your will be done in my life. If you believe that God heard you this evening, can you say an amen again? Amen. All right, let's take our declaration of understanding as we begin to study. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. The Lord is entering my heart. He's giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area. And he's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right, let's continue what we were discussing last time. We'll hope to finish that today, if we can. That's um, the hindrances to answered prayers. I'll try my best not to spend too much time going over what we've discussed already. But let's just be reminded that we went over a number of them. Of course, we've talked about prayers that are not of faith. Remember that. Can you just remind me of a few of them? There's prayer, all genuine prayers are what? Prayers of faith. So the ones that are not of faith are not genuine prayers. And they include things like, number one, prayer of copy, copycat prayers. The way, uh-huh, the way Paul prayed. We pray like that too. Paul cast out demons in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, you know? Then prayer of what? Show. What is show? Pharisees pray in open places, market squares, so that um, they will be seen by men. Any other one? Yeah, prayers all right, of competition to service your loss. Those are not prayers of faith. Prayers offered in faith, that means all valid prayers must be prayers offered in faith. We have looked at that. We're not going to go over that again for any length of time. We're going to continue with what we were looking at last time concerning things that may, even though we're supposed to be praying in faith, what may hinder our prayers. We looked at, number one, double-mindedness. Remember that? Yeah, double-mindedness. There are a number of things we used to explain what it would mean to be double-minded. You want it today, you don't want it tomorrow. Of course, that's double-mindedness. Double-mindedness, again, is, as somebody said, you cancel. Yeah, you cancel your prayer. You go to church, you pray all night. Next day, you say, that, look, this country is a finished country. That's prayer of cancellation. That is, <laughs> you have canceled what you prayed yesterday. We talked about that. If you are believing God, you must continue to believe God. And I remember I said last time, there are disciplines that intercessors, all right, people who are praying to God must have. And most of those disciplines have to do with how you use what? Your tongue, how you use your tongue, all right? So we talked about, um, I don't know how long we spent on the issue of um, patience. And so double-mindedness, we talked about that. What else did we talk about? Can you remember? We talked about patience, right? Yeah, impatience. Yes. 
impatience being a major uh, reason why we may not receive from God. That is, the Bible says that be followers of them who through what? Faith and patience inherit the promises. You cannot set time for God. He knows what he's doing. You don't know what you are doing. I hope you understand that. You really don't know what you are doing. All right? You don't know what you are doing. He's the one that knows. So you must learn to be patient with God. I have a few experiences in life that showed me that thing. You just have to be, you have to learn to be patient. <laughs> Being a Christian, eh? See, life that's very different from the common life. You see what I said? I'm going to say that for a few minutes and we'll continue. Being a believer, one day one guy met me, said, Oh God, tell me the truth. Did Jesus tell you something that you are not telling us? I said, What do you mean? He said, If he's coming tomorrow and he has told you, let us know. Because the way we are hustling for this thing, you don't seem to be bothered. Maybe you know something we don't know. He said, tell me the truth. Is he coming tomorrow? He had his reasons. Because he just observed my manner of life. And he realized that what he was pursuing, and many people, didn't seem to bother me. I'm not trying to sound as if I was 100% right. But I'm just trying to say that as a Christian, Things like that must happen in your life. Your name is Abraham. Your small nephew, Lot, and you are struggling over something that belongs to your grandfather. You have the right. You are the older brother. You're, older, you're, you're an uncle, actually. And then you say, Lot, you choose first. Whatever you leave behind, I will take. You must do stuff like that. I hope you're getting my point. Something happened some time ago. And somebody told me that, ah, if you're not the kind of person that you are, you know you'll have shouted tribalism. I said, you know if I shout it, God will be angry with me. It's the way she said that, if you are not the kind of person that you are. If you're a Christian, see, there are things you will do. See, Christianity, let me say, the proof of faith is not that every time you ask for something new, God gives it to you. Sometimes the proof of faith is that you live the life that you have known for 75 years and you walk into the wilderness. That's the proof of faith. Sometimes the proof of faith is that you take Isaac, your son, your only son, whom thou lovest, and you carry him to Mount Moriah to go and offer him on the mountain that the Lord will show to you. That's the proof of faith. The proof of faith Sometimes that what everybody is struggling to get, just are not interested in it. That's the proof of faith. It's very important we understand this. Because sometimes, I want to do that trying to emphasize the fact that these hasty, hasty, hasty things we do, as if God must do it for me now. Otherwise, he's not hear me then. One of the things you will learn as a believer is how to let go. Sometimes we teach faith as if all faith does is grab. I hope you get my point. As me, I'm a young man, I'm looking for employment. The Sunday service, testimony time. I have a testimony. Praise the Lord. Pray. You know, I wind it. And I end the testimony with. So five of us went for the interview. And I came out, I was 
the best. I was number one. I was employed, and I'm starting a new job on Monday, and my starting salary is one big amount of money. Now the whole church will scatter and show that God is what? Faithful. Unfortunately, that has made us think such things that that's the only sign of God's faithfulness. Let me tell you sometimes, this is how you give your testimony. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My name is Joseph. I just came out of the pit when my brother has threw me. Amen? Amen. Now you go and sit down. What happened? Hey, my brother has threw me into a pit. It's a part of God for my life. Right now, I want people to know that they did not succeed in killing me. Right now, I'm asleep in the house of 45. Hallelujah! <laughs> no, I'm going to be looking at you. Are you okay? Of course, it's because we don't understand what God is doing. Let me tell you what faith is. You know, sometimes I look at, let me say something quickly, all right, about the methods of God. And that's continue from something we said last time. Part of the reasons why we don't receive from God is that we, okay, let me just tie it together, all right? It's a kind of a reminder and a continuation. That's one of the areas I ended last time. But that, that's exactly where we ended. We don't understand the method of God. Some of the people go on strike. Like I saw in the newspapers on our big hospital in UNTH. was in the newspaper yesterday, was it today? After the national strike of resident doctors, they are still on strike. And I know the chief executive tried his best to persuade them not to go on strike. And they insisted. Now, I'm not discussing strike now. But do you know, God said, most times this is what he does. Do you want your money? Yes. Do you want it? You want more money? He says, yes. Now, all of you go and work harder. They have not paid you for I don't know how long. Now you are going to go there, double your shifts. And you are going to go every morning and shake the hand of the chief medical director. Say, God bless you, sir. And they say they are looking for volunteers who so go and cover some village clinics. All of you go. Say, so, but they haven't paid us. Say, yes, that is the idea. Now, I'm not saying this people should do like that. Too. I'm just saying that there's a way human beings behave. There's a way God will demand that you behave. One of the marks of faith is that you do things like that. One of our brothers, some of us may know the story. I've told it a number of times. The day I met his boss, we went to, I went, one big bank was doing a regional convention. Um, what do they call it? Regional retreat. Yeah, it was a retreat. So they needed a preacher. So I went to preach for them. <laughs> Something just came to my mind now. I'll give you guys the gist at the end of service. So let's leave that. <laughs> anyway, that day, there was a businessman there. I was a preacher. I was going to preach. He was going to talk business. So they introduced me. So he was so he said, oh, you are Pastor Vanke? I said, yes. He shook my hand very vigorously. So oh, it's nice to meet you. And then I told about this brother who we had met. He wasn't working for him then. He said, that young man must work for me. I said, why? Well, I didn't say why. I was just listening to him. He said, because one day they were speaking. He had a project he was doing, and he, that young man was a representative from the bank. All right? We'll come to inspect the project. And it was, then he was doing NYSC, and after NYSC, the bank retained him for some time to work with them. So he was talking with this young man, to this, uh, with this businessman. And the man, the man is a Christian. So 
He said the, the young man said something that he had never, like he don't hear young people say. But that's why he shook my hand. Because he asked him at the end, he said, who's your pastor? He said, because he asked himself, who's teaching this young man? That somebody must be teaching him that this thing, somebody's teaching him. So he just used to ask, who's your pastor? What do you hear the teaching of the word? So that's when that one now mentioned my name. So he memorized the name. So the day he met me, he shook my hand. What was it that the young man told him? He said that he wants to leave the place where he's working. He wants to resign and move on to other things. And he said, but I can't resign yet. So the man said, why not? He said, the company is going through a lot. So they are not stable now. That he needs to work and help them stabilize. That when things are moving smoothly, then he will be able to resign. Ah. The man looked like, what did you just say? That your company is having problems. So you are going to spend your energy, your time, you're a young man, just finishing what is it, last year. Instead of going to look for money, you want to help a big company stabilize. What can you, con- you know, the attitude of normal people. So he looked at him and said, please, I need to know who's teaching you. He said, because this kind of statement, I don't hear, he didn't tell him openly like that. He was in his mind, he was just asking, where are you hearing this from? So that was when he now got to know, he got my name from him. So when he did, the name, the day we now ended up sitting on the same platform. That's when he shook my hand very well. That I met one of the people you taught. What's the sign of his faith? That he was ready to handle a poor pay, an unstable environment, job that's not totally steady. So let me see what I can contribute to fix the situation. That when they are not stable, I cannot leave them. See, many people are not, they don't believe anything. They don't believe anything. You know, I will get back to my message in a moment. I live in a kind of cocoon, a little bit, not so serious one, okay? It's not totally impervious to other things. But most people I exist with are Christians. The person I talk with the most is my wife. So we end up sharing similar opinions. You see me sit at the back here after teaching on Saturday mornings and then Tuesday evenings like this. And I talk to, with people who have my opinion. One way or the other, we kind of think alike. So we are deceiving ourselves, in quote. Pardon me, I just made that as a joke. But we talk the word of God. People tell us we are deceiving ourselves. That's why I say that. Occasionally, somebody falls something. I belong to a number of groups, all right? Most of them, they are professional, so I don't get to read a lot of rubbish, okay? But occasionally, somebody throws something. My classmates, that's the only place where people dump all kind of crap. And I have identified who is who. So there are people who post things. I don't do that reading. I just don't read. There are people that once they post, I select, select, select. I hit the delete button. So I don't want to upset my soul. Vocationally, I see the things that people share amongst themselves. And I wonder, God, how do you manage to bless people? That must be hard for you. That it must be hard. And that's why God said, ah, if I'm counting on all of them, I can't bless anybody. That's why in design, I said there's salt of the earth and there's light of the world. They are the ones I'm watching out for. As for the goats and wolves that feed everywhere, I don't bother myself. Honestly, there are times, maybe what upsets me is the caliber of people. You see somebody who knows no know, know book well, it's a specialist, he will forward something to you. I want to ask him that, is your head working? 
I don't know how many of you remember this, that they say that don't buy Fulani cow, and that is cows, because Fulani herdsmen have poisoned the cows. So that if you eat it, something bad will happen to you. And I asked people, I said, you are a human being, you can believe that. Honestly, you need deliverance. You mean you can believe that? The Fulani man poisoned his cow, and is walking around with the cow, and they are grazing. Then when you buy the cow and slaughter the animal and share the meat, you will now fall sick and die. And you see adults forwarding it. In fact, the first day I got it, it was forwarded to a group I belong from by somebody from America. And you're looking like, I know you have your problems with headsmen, but must he remove your brain? Seriously. You see people occupy themselves with sharing some things. You're like, how do you people survive? That is why you must buy high blood pressure medicine. Yeah, that's why your blood pressure is up. And listen, Christians, you must learn. That's why I was saying all of these things. What means to be a believer? You just have to be different too. You have to be different. You have to make up your mind that, no. I refuse to accept these doctrines. I, respect, I refuse to think like this. You can be a believer and you refuse to go on strike for that reason. He said, let's go on strike. I said, I vote against the strike. Why? Because it won't achieve anything. Now, you, you're going to say something in a moment. There's what is called the wisdom of God. They came to Jesus Christ. They said, how do we handle this matter? He said, they owe you one month. Work for another two months. Is that not what he said? Does it make sense? No. That is why you're a Christian. Christianity is when you start doing things that don't make sense. But they are based on the instructions of the Spirit, the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, therefore, they make faith. You know, yeah, that makes sense, or you or you make what faith? Don't do foolish things. In the eyes of the world, faith things can appear foolish. In Christianity, you must learn to be different. The sign of your faith is not that everything you want you get. The sign of your faith is that you take. Your actions, everything you do, is they are primarily engineered to pleasing God. And many times they will not make sense in the eyes of the people around. One Jesus just came to my mind when I was going to get married. Some people told me that I was too small to marry. Now, I didn't marry as a little boy. When I married, I was 20, I was almost 29. Okay? Some of you think that's a little boy. Can they get married at 21? So please, leave that in. Right? No, 29 is not old at all. Sorry, it's not young. It's not young at all. All right? Okay, and I married as a... I just finished my residency, so I was quite um, poor. That's the emphasis there. So <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm telling the story in a moment. I... Um, some people sat to me that say, what are you marrying for? I'm looking at them like, what is the problem? That you don't have anything yet. That is why I need to marry you because that is how God will bless you. If that finds a wife, finds a good thing, and obtains what? And that's how people will come into my life. You just told me I have a need. I should solve it. And you're telling me don't solve it. Solve the problem. I remember one particular woman. She's just telling this story. Hey, she talked tired. Hey, I said, my God, oh. 
I'm not asking you for permission now. Please invite. Do you get my point? I just came to invite. You put, it's just invitation now. Hey, abuse me. That's not the gist. Oh, I know. The woman knew how to abuse me very well. Two years ago, I went for a wedding. I entered the place. Who did I see? Ah, that was 20, two years ago would now be. 2021, right? Yeah, I had now been married for almost 23 years. I saw the woman there. She hadn't changed much. At least I recognized her. I went there. I called. But there's a name we used to call her at that time. You know, like a pet name. Ah, I called her. She looked at me. Thank you, madam. How now? I called my wife. I said, come, 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 come. She came. I said, this is the woman you said I couldn't take care of. <laughs> yeah, she told me that I, I can't take care of a wife. I said, see you. Look at how. Have I done badly? At the end. <laughs> yeah, I asked her. I said, I don't think I've done badly, have I? I mean, went for a wedding, so all of us were looking, yeah, you know that kind of thing. My wife was looking, yeah, you know. <laughs> she laughed. I said, I didn't do badly after all. I said, thank God he didn't take your advice. No, no. We're adversaries those days. No, you know, why I'm referring to that is that all the arguments they gave me were so unscriptural. Of course, it's not as if I could change my mind. I proposed marriage. I had seen the girl's father. I came, what will I now do? Because you're advising me, don't marry now. One of them said that. He said, when you are older, you'll be more mature. I said, ah, so when you turn 40, you'll be more mature. I said, just wait till you are 50. You'll be more mature than when you are 40. I said, in fact, just make it 60. At that time, you'll be more. She said, I love me. She got my point that stop being ridiculous. Who comes into marriage? Perfect. Nobody learn all of us, they learn. Well, I look back now. Just look at this girl. Must really be blind to have married me. Yeah. I look back. There are times I just look back. Thank you. Are you crazy? What did you did you did you drug this girl to have agreed? Because I'm looking now. I wouldn't have married me. <laughs> me? Now I'm just looking back now. It's just it's just God. You know, we just believe God. In fact, I think uh, somebody is taking encouragement from the things I'm saying. I didn't mention names, so. All of you look forward. If another person has come in, taking encouragement from the things I'm saying. Everybody look forward. Don't look at them. Don't worry. They shall be exposed very soon. Amen? The Lord is good. Now, please, let me not leave it. Maybe I'm going to say. And that's the fact that, see, as believers, eh, we must think differently. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, we must think differently. That's why I'm just using that to illustrate. Faith is not that you get results per se. It's that the conduct of your life, do you understand? The decisions you make, they don't, they may not be popular with the world, but they must be pleasing to God. I hope you're getting my point. And many times you are going to be unreasonable. And you see, what you are doing is what the Bible calls the wisdom of God. Now, let me now connect that with what we're saying. One major reason we don't receive answers to prayer, like we began that last time, is that we don't understand the, the process of God. You want to be big, you want to be prosperous in life. God says, all right, you will go to the house of Potiphar and go and serve. For how long? Because there's no... There's no 
There's no time. There's no expiration. There's no time. This is just go there. The reason that what he's counting, you don't know. And then he's not counting time. He's counting what? The accomplishment of certain character developments. So it's not the chronological time he's counting. You've been there for 10 years. You've been there for 2 years. You've been there for 15 years. No, that's not what he's counting. What he's counting is your name is Jacob. There are certain things I want to accomplish in your life. And the only way you will accomplish it is if you are subject to a man like Laban. Now, I was saying something earlier. I I don't think I've said it enough. Jacob was poorly treated by Laban. He cheated him how many times? Ten times. Haba. Ten times. First, let's take this wife. He blindfolded him and gave him a wrong one. He didn't blindfold him physically. I hope you get my point. He deceived him. Then this is what your uh, okay, after some the man labored for it was 14 years to marry those two girls. They was to work another six years to get something to call his own. All the while, he was a headsman for Liban. There are times you're working, and then the boss is making money. And you expect he will share with you. Do you get my point? Let me just tell you something. You want to know Christianity? Remove your eye from there. What did I say? Don't even, let me explain. Don't wish for it. Don't go home and tell your wife, say, man, Ogago said to me, man, that last project, I know how much came in. That thought is evil. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. God doesn't want you, see, God doesn't want you at all. No matter where you're walking, keep your eyes on God. One day somebody said, pray with me. I said, about what? He said, look, this job I'm doing for this governor, he never said to me. I said, well, you need money? Yes. I said, so let's pray for money. Let's forget him. I'm not going to pray that he will say to you. Is it God? And he, the fellow got the point. I said, it's not God. Now, but how can you call me to come and pray? That governor will say to you, why? Is it because he's governor? Is that as powerful as the governor upstairs? The governor, not of the, the state, of amongst the nations. I believe that thing. I said, if it's money, let's pray for money. That's not a problem. Why am I talking about it? Jacob <laughs> was making Laban rich. And Laban was not sharing the money. So one day, Jacob said, I want to go home. He said, oh, why? Let me go and, you know, Make money for my family. That's what he said. He said, okay, okay, they, they don't need to go. Stay with me. Let's discuss how much I will pay you. For the first time. He said, why do, you know why I don't want you to go? I have divined. They told me during divination consultations that it's because you are here that this company is growing. Okay, give me something from it now. Now you say, I said, now go, I won't go. You said, I sh- let's... Okay, this is what I want. This is what I will give you. The man said. Then, because that was what they agreed on, God started prospering the agreement. Laban said, I lie. The point I'm making is, do you know, at the end of the day, ten times, Jacob was cheated. In all of that, God did not let him go. When it was now time to leave, it was because God said, it is now time to go. Be very careful in life that you don't Decide your own timing. 
There are times that when God will tell you to leave, it's when you enjoy the most. Kenneth Hagin tells the story, tells the story of when God says, stop pastoring and go into itinerant teaching ministry. See, let me tell you what that meant. You may not understand. As a pastor, you have a regular income. You have a house. You stay in. It's yours because the church will have a personage and that's where you stay. So, one thing you are guaranteed if there's nothing else, you have a good accommodation, you have a good place to stay, and you have regular money for food. As as a minister that's moving around, (laughs) none of it is guaranteed. Each time you go out, you have to pray that the people will be nice to you and give you something. Now, that small thing they give you is from there you will pay for the house you are living in. You have a family that's grown. You can't travel with your wife and children. You have to be remitting money home. And he described the story of a place he went, and for this he did not eat. They didn't give him food. Some people don't know how to take care of guests especially ministerial guests. Just by the way, please, if you invite a minister, please give him water to drink first. You understand? I went to preach somewhere one day. I finished preaching. I was begging, can I have water? I was okay, okay. So I run up and down. I went to collect all the messages I gave them. Let me put it back in my spirit. Let me not start that one now. The man, three days he didn't eat. Anyway, that was the situation of being an itinerant minister. Now, back to the issue. When he was in a church where he was most comfortable, where the church was doing well, money was coming in for him. He said he was living in the best house he had ever lived in. That was when he began to feel uneasy. And in the midst of his uneasy, he went to pray. And the Holy Spirit said to him clearly, I never called you to be a pastor to start with. What? At that time, he had been in ministry for about 10 years. The day the Lord appeared to him in a vision, he said for the first 10, 12 years of his life, he had not yet entered into the first phase of God's plan for him. He had been preaching for 12 years, and he had not entered into phase one. He was still on phase zero. Was that of the will of God? Maybe not. Not. It was his training period. It was when things were best for him that God tapped. Yeah. Now, go into the first phase. The first two years in that first phase, he messed it up because he, was, he, he misunderstood what he was supposed to do before he finally stepped in and settled down. Now, let me explain. Each dollar he, he got, he had to pray for. Father God, this week I will need like $50. In the name of Jesus, I ask for $50. I claim $50. Satan, I have $50 coming. If you touch it, he will die by fire. I'm serious. He used to fight Satan for $50. But that was what God sent him into from when he was comfortable. But he had to go. In fact, the day his wife grumbled and made him come back. He collapsed and died. They had to pray him back to life. And then the Lord had told him that, see this, this man, I will take him. You won't see him again. Then when they called her that your husband had collapsed, she knelt down there and said, Lord, please, I'm sorry. I will never grumble again. Why was she grumbling? They were no longer comfortable. Things were not easy for them. That was why she began to grumble. 
Here is why we want to go. She will have no dress to wear. But that was what God said. <laughs> See, the, thing, the ways of God, you know, the other day I thought about ministry. The God says, who would you like to model your ministry after? That is, after you have ministered for years and years. What, of all the ministers you have seen, I was just thinking to myself, who is the person you would say, no, I like the way this ministry turned out. I would like to have that kind of ministry. You know, he's the only person I could mention. Now, I'm not saying the other people are bad, though. Do you get my point? You know how much I love Bishop Oedipo. I love him man very much. Pastor Oedipo. But I have never wanted to be the head of a church that has 10,000 branches. I feel like a pope. I don't want it. Nothing wrong with it. I just, there are things that are just not my body. Can I again, at the end of the day, he blessed the whole world. When this building, they have a Bible school downstairs here. They have thousands and thousands of alumni. People that they trained in their Bible college. And they are in different ministries. Some of them are evangelists, some of them are missionaries, some of them are apostles, some are pastors, pastoring churches, some that he didn't do after that first decade of his life, of his ministerial life. What am I going to say? The God that kicked him out into that, he knew where he was taking him to. He roamed around like that for a long time before one day he had the idea of opening a Bible school to teach young ministers what he had learned over the previous three decades thereabout. What is Alarima Bible Training Center? He has been in ministry for about 30 years. Oh, you think he started after 10 years of ministry? No. He has been in the first set of um, ministers that graduated from Rima Bible Training Center. Ray Macaulay's set. I think they finished 179. All of you are looking at what are you talking about? Where's Jonathan? Jonathan is a student, he should know. But you go and listen to his messages. He'll be telling you stories of during the war when he was driving up and down preaching during the Second World War, which ended in 1945. He has been in ministry since the 30s, if I remember well. So think about, let's just say 1940, to make it easy, to 1977. That is something, yes. Before I started in my Bible training center. But from there, but by the time we heard him for the first time, we thought he was some preacher, fresh preacher from America. No. By that time, he had over three or four decades of ministry in the bag. So, anybody telling you that you can blow overnight, I told you, remember that your young guy who came to Kingdom was saying, after 10 years, I can't be in a place like this. I said, this guy is why you are not going to go anywhere. I, I, I mean no, I mean no insult, but with that kind of mindset, after 20 years, Kenny Higgins was not in a place like that. After 30 years, he was not even in a place like that. But after 60 years, the whole Christian world knew his name. His books were being translated into all kinds of languages. The Red Prince said at the age of 40, I think, he said, I had no money, no house, no bank account, and most importantly, no plans. No, it's not that he was broke, that's the issue. It's that he had no plans. He was 40. He had no money. He had no house. He, he didn't have a bank account. And most importantly, he had no plans. Some people have too much sense. After, if you have a long, <laughs> a long-term plan, just know it's long-term play. I like the way Nigerians say, just they play. It's okay. No, you got to play. I mean, you heard Pastor Kim saying that uh, Leviathan plays in the ocean. Didn't you hear that just now? 
that even God gave Leviathan the seed to play. Yourself go play inside your brain with long distance plan. Just a play. <laughs> but just no say, nah play. You have long distance plan. Remember your friend that used to give us long distance plan, all of those things. And Russia sent two bombs, no plan again. That's one uncle like that. Some of you are smiling like you know him. He tells us everything. I just look at him. He does something. I just smile. Vladimir Putin throw two bombs. Up. <laughs> See. Two bombs. Oh. All plans finish. According to, what's the name of this, my guy? I am Mike Tyson. I am Mike Tyson. says everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. You come with your plan. When you hear goes and ground, you go to hear one, two. The only plan you have remains how to get up before they hit ten. I'm praying that the referee does not decide that you are too unsteady on your feet. Because even if you get a referee, will look you. You say how many fingers? <laughs> you go do like this. You say one, two, seven. Ah, oh more. Once it does this, it's called knockout. <laughs> If you are doing long-distance plans, eh? it's good, though. It's Leviathan playing in the sea. Young people can have Leviathan ideas. Just they play. You know, you know the thing about Leviathan? It's very big and massive. But you know the thing about the ocean? The ocean it makes it look like a tiny creature. So be, they play. So we can have ideas. But next week we are going to sit and go to Then he's going to invest $500,000. And then with that, we are going to meet a male in detention to ask him how we'll be having an after, after After a year, we should be able to see Bola Tinubu, and then he will connect us with, uh, what's the name of his our new guy? Festus Kiyamu, Minister of Aviation. And then we'll start flying. So come on, that's beautiful. Let's join hands. Father, poor God, just they look like it. God will join hands with you too. Oh, yeah? <laughs> No, there's nothing wrong with it, though. But remember, say, now play. Thank you. And every, every man must play. Some people play video games. Some play physical soccer. Some play long-term plans. Everything now what? Now play. Thank you. You can't have long-term plans. Should you have plans? Yes. They must, they want, the plans you will work on must be short-term plans. Plans for today. How to be faithful in the matters of the day. The prince at the age of 40, he had no money, no house, no bank account, and no plan. Everything that happened, the, only, the only idea I had in his mind at the time was to write Bible study scripts. So looking for a place where he can sit down and be writing. That's how he went and took a job in Canada. He's a British, British man. He was a British man. Went to Canada. Then things didn't work out the way he planned it. He had to leave. So somebody's friend said, if you ever come to the United States, come and see me. So he went to the U.S. And then on the Canadian border with the U.S., they asked him, how long are you staying? He said, just visiting. How long? He said, six months. He said, ah, six months is too long because that man said, you come and relieve me as a pastor for some time. I want to go on holiday. He said, okay, six months. He said, six months is too long now. 
for a holiday. So he said they have learned not to argue. He had learned to not to argue with border officials because they are very powerful. They turn you back. That's the end. So he told the guy, he said, "Well, I don't know what I can do. Do you have any ideas?" That one looked at him. Of course, the British man, America. He said, "Why don't you just consider immigrating?" Yeah. He said, "Well, if that's the way." So the guy right there processed immigration papers for him on the border. Him, his Danish wife, and his African daughter. He had only two baby girl that was black from Kenya. Said, so they looked like an odd couple. Very odd, you know. Young man. His wife was elderly. She was 25 years older than him. Okay. Yeah, that was his first wife. All right. And they have a daughter that's black. Two very white people. One very black girl. British man. Danish wife. African child. With God, all things are possible. What God cannot do does not exist. <laughs> the Lord is good. That was how he got into the United States, eventually becoming an American citizen. And he said that America blessed him. And so he had a soft spot for the country. He received his ministry. Great doors opened for him because he was not the typical American preacher. He said it was an unusual combination. In the U.S., you had two kinds of preachers. Those who were very methodical, who taught the scriptures, usually Baptists and related people, and those who believed in the Holy Spirit, who came with nothing prepared, who came and moved by the Spirit. But those ones used to cast out demons. They used to pray for the sick. They believed in miracles. Except that you could, you let next to nothing from them. You just go, ha, ah, ha, I feel the spirit. I feel the spirit. I feel the spirit. Then a man shouts, I feel the spirit for 30 minutes. Is that what you are going to go home and tell your children I learned in church? The man was feeling the spirit. As he's feeling the spirit, he's laying hands on the sickle and they are getting healed. But those who used to teach, they, they didn't feel nothing. They didn't feel the spirit. They didn't believe in anything miraculous. He was an unusual one. One, he didn't used to feel the spirit. But he used to feel the spirit. So, he, he spoke in other tongues. He cast out demons. He laid hands on people. And miracles happened. Except that he was a systematic teacher. Who didn't used to jump. All he used to do is this. This. He didn't used to hold a mic. You would never, I've never seen him with a microphone in his hand. His mic was always on his stand. So when he got to the U.S., it was an unusual combination. So they liked the fact that this was a teacher of the word who was also Pentecostal and charismatic. That's how doors opened for him. That's how from full gospel businessmen, they used his ministry a lot. Doors opened until, in fact, I said when his wife, that his first wife, finally died, she died in the most beautiful home that she had ever seen. They were living in one part of the U.S. in a luxurious home that had a pool. We're just talking about God's faithfulness. The woman, as a young woman, has sacrificed everything. But the latter part of her days, God made her extremely comfortable on this earth. Her house was beautiful where they were living then. At the age of 40, he had no plans. If you have too much sense, you don't have faith. I'm just telling you, 
What did I say? You don't have faith at all. If you are the type that your head works like a clock, well, you know, Yoruba man use the word clock for everything. The same word, phone. The same word for clock, phone, calculator. So when Yoruba man says your head is working like a clock, actually it doesn't mean real clock. It just means it's a, uh, an electronic device, a device. So when your head is working like a device, and the type, what is it? What is the word? Because I begin to suspect you have been Biafranized. You can't even speak Yoruba again. What's the word? Ago. Clap and it she see her small Odudua inside her her system. <laughs> yeah. That, you know that's what they call when phones came out, that's they call it. Ah, well, go away, you know, that kind of thing. Same one for wristwatch. So it's like a word. So some people they say that ah, that guy's head works like clock, but they don't mean clock. They mean that you can calculate, it works like a calculator, like a machine. If your head is working like that, you know, get faith. And if it's working like that, you know, are you going to cut the head off? No, 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 no. You're going to retain it, but you're going to confess it as what? Sin. When you kneel down, say, Lord, you know, I have a very calculating head. I've planned my life. Now I'm 31. So my plan is that by the time I'm 35, I've bought one plot of land in this area. It's, right now it's going for one million. I have one million. By that time it will not be worth 15 million. You know now. So I will now sell that one, then buy 15 other ones in new areas that will grow. After under five years, 15 times 15. Who's very good with mathematics? Eh? Two to five. So it will be worth 125 million. I can give you like 20%. Alright, tight. So I will marry somewhere along the line. By that time I will have three children. Two girls and one boy. Because these girls are the ones that take care of old men, you know? So then when you finish all the plans. I finish all the plans. Say, Lord, did you see that plan? Lord, say, 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 please. Can I beg you, cancel it? I just need to exercise my agogo head. All these plans may they fail in Jesus' name. You are praying, oh? Amen. And then you and God will be friends. So those plans you've made, make them, oh? Then carry it to Him. Say, Lord, this was what I wasted your time doing yesterday. One day of foolishness. Here it is. If I, you can do PowerPoint. Present it to the Lord. So what's the title of my PowerPoint? The PowerPoint of Foolishness. Say, Lord, I just have to exercise this head that you gave me. You know that black preacher you sent to us? Say, we should, we should know that our long-term plans don't work. Okay? It's important to... What did I say? It's very important you understand what I'm trying to say. Long-term plans don't work. What about short-term plans? That is the one you are committed, you are instructed to have. What's the short-term plan? This is where I'm working now. This is the business I'm doing now. I must be faithful. I must make it grow. And how do I, how am I faithful? How do I make it grow? Well, the method for making it grow is following certain precepts. Okay? I get to my business on time. I do what I'm supposed to do. I reinvest my profits. I increase as is within my power the amount of people that I'm serving. Do you understand? Uh-huh. And I, most importantly, I do what? Pray. I must entreat the Lord for the business sake. I hope you're getting my point. Until he comes, I'll wait there. 
What does it mean for him to come? He will open new doors. All right? Please never forget that. All right, the Lord is good. So, one reason, I know why I went to do that. Why we don't get answer to prayers? Because we don't understand divine methods. We said it last time. You pray for deliverance. Deliverance comes. What do you do? You crucify him. Why? You don't know how God works. That's what I've emphasized again or amplified again today. One major reason we don't receive answers is because when God sends the answers, we reject the answers. We reject the answers. I've heard this illustration somebody used years ago. A man was drowning. His boat was leaking. Developed a fault. It was in the sea. And he prayed to God for deliverance. And after a while, a big, a big ship came by, looked at him and said, any problem? He said, no, God is in control. So those ones looked at you, sure? Very certain. He had to speak by faith. So they drove off. Another one came, and that boat looked. Excuse me, it looks like you're having trouble. He said, no, that's not my portion. My God is faithful. Do you need help? No. God is in control. It is well. And those ones went. Man was sinking. Uh, three times. Help us. So finally, he sank. The boat sank. And he drowned. And he got to heaven. He said, Lord, I trusted you. God said, three times I came. Three, three times. The first one was a boat. Let me carry you. He said, no. Second time, you said, no. Third time, you said, no. What, do you want, what more do you want me to do? As far as he was concerned, God will supernaturally restart his engine. Patch the hole in the boat that's leaking. And they will not come to church so he can come and brag. And God said, I sent help. Three times. Three times you rejected the help I sent. And now you are in heaven saying that I trusted you. I know you trusted me. That's why I sent help three times. I hope you're getting my point. He said, but he was walking by faith. No, he stuck by the way he felt the Lord must answer him. Of course, it's a hypothetical situation, but it teaches us how sometimes we behave. We don't understand divine methods. You decide that prosperity, this is where it comes from. God said, hey, wait, it's the opposite direction. You know, I didn't come to any good looking for prosperity, amen? I got prosperity in my heart. From reading Isaiah chapter 66, verse 12. It said, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. I believed it. Now, where I'm going is that I was in Lagos. When I told people I was going to Enugu, not one person. It was not, that is like the number of shocked people. I can still, I still see faces like, what? If I remember one lady, this was 97. I was just saying, I said, no, I'm not, no. That was when, <laughs> Jaqua had no, it's now you are calling it Jaqua. We had another name that time. Everybody had gone. So I said, I'm not going anywhere. Hey, she laughed at me. He says, that's what they say when they don't have visa yet. And I'm like, are you all right? Do you know my heart? <laughs> this, is, this one is very funny. I just realized something now. <laughs> that you woman. You know, some women make me laugh sometimes. I've seen women that if you greet their, if you shake their husband's hand, they will almost snatch it. Why are you shaking my husband's hand? The same women will leave the husband and then go and leave her brother and leave the man in Nigeria. That means that handshaking protest is not sincere. This lady I'm telling you about, 
Just remember now. And then you, you, you people serve some human beings. You are you're out of your mind, sir. When you are not a missionary, why will you be? You know, there's age you do some things. You know, my wife traveled for two days. Akinolo and Victor almost killed me with hunger. Two days. You know, my wife's not around. No, she traveled. I woke up in the morning. I had conflicts. <laughs> At the time it was 3 o'clock. I realized I had not eaten any other thing. So I went and saw Gary. At night, the two boys in the house now came back. Let me not tell you what I can do, give me to eat. I looked at the wrap. I won't tell you what it is. You can't guess. You can't guess. I didn't mind. He said, Would that be okay? I said, Well, maybe you can get half and add to it to be fine. He said, Okay. Then two hours later, he said, Oh, you asked for another half. I looked at him. He said, should I still go and get it? I was looking at him like, this is why Americans shoot people. Do you get my point? You're coming how long after to ask whether I needed another wrap or something that you gave me to eat? So he said, I ate half of the soup and kept it waiting for the second half. And I sent my wife a message, say, okay, babe, please try and come back home because I stood on this scale. I knew I must have lost weight in two days. How am I saying all of these things? Women will still see all of this and abandon their husbands and go and leave our brother they do omugo. Nonsense. Picking where I don't want, born your own picking, I go to take care of the picking for them. Now, me send you go to America. My wife should do even date. I can little of you should just know now. Your mother ain't coming anywhere to omugo nothing for nobody. <laughs> Two weeks maximum. What kind of nonsense all of this is? Once you decide, once you come from hospital, once breast milk is flowing, <laughs> Mama, they go house. Look, look, look. People shouldn't, don't think these are the days when the man had three wives. So one can be doing a mugo, usually from Australia to, to New Zealand. Thank you. The man has only one wife. You will not go and do a mugo. You are not serious, all of you. Nonsense and ingredients. Don't even know. Look at me just getting angry. I don't even know. Anyway, what was I trying to say, Joe? No, no, no. I, I, I remember, I remember what I trying to say. I just remember that woman. And that woman. Do you know this woman can go, go stay for America, saying they work for the husband, they legal the hustle. And both of them have quite well to do. I'm looking at them and saying, now, wow. Now, wow. I don't know what the faith people have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you the truth. She's in America. Lives in a career. How people know that this marriage is a career? Yes. Can't you see the way cheese room and dummy always wearing an uncle? It's the will of God. The Lord is good. I can't even imagine cheese room leaving dummy for one more. <laughs> cheese room, my baby, go. not go anywhere for one month. Anyway, there's not no other. The guy will just look. You know, men can do some things. They enter into the realm of the spirit. They call you back. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, I call my wife. Come. The woman will wake up next day. She won't know what's pulling her. 
The Lord is good. I mean, let me sit on my message. I'm kind of getting distracted by some things that uh now what was I saying? I remember I want to see whether you can remember, whether I've confused you. Anyway, I was talking about myself. So the woman was laughing at me, that that's how I remembered her. I just remember that. That's why she was laughing at me. Ah, eh, that, that's how they say when they've knocked. I said, Me. I was living in Lagos. People were facing the Atlantic. Me, I faced Enugu. Yes. I told them, look, listen. That's where the call of God for my life is. That's where God is leading me now. And that's where we are still today. That was 20-something years ago. I told them about the flat. They're looking at me like, eh, eh. I'm talking about divine methods. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. They said, money is, I said, money is where? Some said, we should stay in Lagos. Lagos is where the money is. And I'm looking like, the money is not in Lagos. The money, if that's what your problem is, is where God plants you. You can be in Lagos and be broke. I've seen beggars in Lagos. So I've seen beggars in Enugu. The difference is the kind of clothes they wear. I've seen very handsome beggars. Ah! First time they ask you for money, you say, you know, if you give out change, you will bring seed, quality seed. One day after I, came, I had come to Enugu, I went to Lagos. I entered into Luth at night around 11 o'clock. I walked past. One man, you know, I know quality things. God helped me with that. I saw the shirt he was wearing. You could feel the quality from a distance. He leaned against a very nice Mercedes Benz. And he greeted me. So I go to him, sir. Around 11.30, I greeted, uh, you know. I answered and greeted him, sir. He said, well, you could talk to me for a moment. No problem. I thought maybe, you know, it's a hospital. I was staying with my friends in the teaching hospital, in the quarters there. I assumed that maybe in there to locate somebody who they brought in an emergency. How can I help you? He said, I didn't know whether I had any money on me to give him. Excuse me? He said, yes, that he can't go home because he doesn't know what the children will eat tomorrow morning or how they will go to school. It was the shirt I was looking at. Oga, this shirt can send your children to school tomorrow morning and give them breakfast. He just leaned against the car. You know this guy is not a habitual beggar. He wasn't, I, I know Lagos beggars. This one knocked me off. I had been in Lagos for years. I left. I was not in Enugu. I just went back to Lagos or something. I said, what? I couldn't believe what I was saying. He was desperate. He had it. So, now where I'm going, I said, this is Lagos now. Why is everybody not swimming in money? I, look, I've seen Lagos for straight people. I lived there for about seven years. From 1993 till the year 2000, I lived in Lagos. I saw people frustrated. Fr- you know they got frustrated? They came with their plans. They had plans. I'm just thinking of all the ones I know in my head now. One plan after another. In fact, till now. We say, go to Lagos. That's where the opportunity is. Bros, if anybody tells you that, he wants to trap you. There are those who have gone there, and it has been well with them. And there are those that it was when they left that they saw breakthrough in their lives. I have somebody in my mind, too. person I'm thinking of. They tried to persuade him to leave Lagos. He said, my life, that's where the action is. God said, I will move you out by force. God now gave him a job to go and do somewhere else. Do you know that was when his breakthrough came? 
One reason why God can't answer our prayers is that we have fixed our minds on how he must do it. Remember those days I told one brother, we're just discussing this matter, that look, geographical location is, is spiritually determined. He said, the Bible says every way your, the soles of your feet threads you will possess. I looked at him, I said, are you aware that the same God that said it, said don't touch the land of the Edomites? I've given it to the descendants of Esau, your brother. Don't. He said, I will not give you as much as one square foot. He said, if you drink their water, pay for it. He said, don't touch the land of the Ammonites. And what's the third group? The two descendants of uh, Lot and then the descendants of Esau. He told, he told them, see, I've given. If you go and read your Bible, you know, people think that it's only Israel that God gave land. The day I, one day I was studying, which, who was it now? Was it Ezekiel or which one of them? Or Jeremiah? I was like, he, he. God called the, what they call the Kaftorim, otherwise known as the Philistines, from far. He said, come, 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 come and stay here. He told the sons of Lot. What's the name of the second group of sons of Lot now? The Moabites, thank you. The Ammonites, the Moabites. Said this land is your own. He demarcated it. And then the Edomites, descendants of Esau, said this land is your own. And he told Israel, see, this is your own boundary. This one I've given to the descendants of Lot. This one I've given to the descendants of Esau. He said, don't provoke them. If you enter into battle with them over their land, I will not defend you. Say, when you enter, buy their food. He told the brother then. He said, no, I think you are reading the scriptures wrong. You can't say anywhere the soles of your feet with tread you will possess. No, what God meant when he said is that, see your boundary, your boundaries. Now, within your boundaries, as you move, you will possess. Anyone you don't tread on, people will occupy it. As you move, you will possess. And God helping me, I'll talk about when I'm talking about the laws of prosperity. You have to move so you can possess. But you warn them about their boundaries. So I told him, I said, no, you can't just stay in Lagos. Tell me that that's where the action is. If God has not established you there, frustration, 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 we just wake up in the morning and say, who do we injure today? All of them, all descendants of frustration will come to your house. Lagos is a good place, amen? But it's the most stressful city in Nigeria to live in. God doesn't bless you. Don't go there. The amount of blessing you need to cope <laughs> Now, so I'm just trying to emphasize something. Of course, those of you in Lagos, you get my point. I know you are blessed. That's why you are there, man. I'm just trying to say that those who say, hey, just run up and die anyhow. No. It's when you just think that God must follow a particular pattern. Hey, let me say another thing, please. If you're like, I want to describe. I have a word from God for you today to stop the rubbish. There are people that, they are always going into any business that is trendy. Do you follow my point? Anything that's like, is the in thing now. Everybody, you know, like those who want now, I want to teach in Benin. I said, people are asking questions. I have a gift for singing. I have a gift for acting. I have a gift for singing. I have a gift. So the only question I saw, like, God, you gather this number of people, they were nothing less than a few hundreds of people, right? Not too many, but yeah, the hall we used could sit about 250 people, and it was fairly well taken. So I said, wait, how come everybody that came to listen to me has a gift for singing? Or give for acting. I went and prayed, God, what is going on? Nobody had a gift for teaching children. Nobody had a gift for sewing cloth or 
painting walls or or preaching self. Oh, gift for, you know, I have a gift for singing. I have a gift acting. Oh, and I realized what happened. Two-Face. Two-Face, that time was when Two-Face was first reigning. Those days, we heard that Two-Face was paid 40 million naira to do adverts for Guinness. Now, not the 40 million of today. 40 million of like the year 2003, 2004. I said, eh? that time, Genevieve, Jolade came, they said, where do you, ah, ah. People already doing movies and collecting money that their seniors were earning in two years. I say, okay, that's why suddenly everybody had the gift for acting and singing. Now everybody's a comedian now. Thanks to Mr. Macaroni. It's true. You know those boys can... Not many people have singing talent anymore. Do you know why? They don't try. They don't frustrate. So everybody don't pipe them. <laughs> ah, man, guys don't frustrate. And everybody wants to be making skit on TikTok and uh, Google, is it uh, YouTube shots and all of that. I just look at everybody, say, okay, oh, anything that's making money, so you don't jump inside. Every business, you are confused. What did I say? Yeah, you are confused. It's the reason why God can't bless you. He's looking, he doesn't even know where you are. Each time he comes, he comes there. Where are you? Say, I heard that. This AI is trending. I've gone to, you know, some people actually felt that they were called to do cryptocurrencies. Crypto, do people still do that thing? They are still doing it. They have not learned. You say what? They say to rise again. They have hope. No, they have hope. People have hope. So they said to rise again. Oh, it, 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 oh, there's a dip now. How are you taking to say there's a dip? Sorry, sorry, excuse me. Sorry, please don't be angry with me. People are still doing that thing. Ah. Ah! They are using the dip to buy more in case it rises. So when they dip some more, they buy some more. Some people, <laughs> you know, some people are like flies. They will follow that corpse <laughs> to the grave. They must bury me with the corpse. Are you serious? You know, I have warned you, there's no quick money. It doesn't exist. The method you will use hmm, to deliver yourself from being Caught, it's just hate quick money. If they say bring fifty thousand after three weeks, this one is legit. This one is confirmed. You know, there's one guy says that if God says, says me, is legit, is confirmed. See, this one is legit, is confirmed. Now, the more legit it is, and the more confirmed it is the more you should refuse. You know why? Tell the person, say, that's the reason why I don't want it. Why? Because it's legit and it's confirmed. Because if I give you 50,000 naira, I'm going to get a million naira in two months. Then God will now punish me. You say, check out. Is it good? You say, why? It's called quick money. God says, I must hate quick gain. I'm not saying, I'm not refusing to give you the money because I think you may steal it. No, 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 no. It's because I think it is legit. That's why I'm wrong. If I, if I felt you would lose it, it's not a problem. I give you. 
But now that you told me it's legit, bros, I think I don't want. I told you that's how a friend of mine came. I said, Banky, come and put money here. I said, why? He said, look, I put $5,000. Right now, my money is $12,000. And it's just maybe two, three months ago. I said, eh? Uh-huh. I said, okay. He said, look, it's just very simple. You put this amount of money, look at it. Your money will just be rising. <laughs> I said, my brother. I just, I didn't even check. I just said, my brother. You see, my name is Jonah. I said, your boat sailing by yourself, it's fine. I said, if I enter that boat, a storm shall come against it. And me and you are going down. So just be in your boat all by yourself. He felt that my problem was I didn't trust it. He said, this one is from America. Now my sister introduced me to run from America. I said, bros, Bernard Madoff, that scammed everybody of $36 billion is from America. Too. But that's not the problem. The problem is my Jonah anointing. I don't want to scatter your thing. He said, I don't tell you. I said, I don't hear you. I think it was two years later, a year later, I was reading the story of one coin. And I realized that my, my guy put money in one coin. And as the graph was rising, he didn't know it was a man sitting down and just plotting the rising graph. And from $5,000, his money, he put like $5,000, yeah, really. His money must have risen to maybe like $50,000 on the graph. As at the last time, the money was still on the graph. The guy who was plotting the graph is still in prison in America. And the main woman right, who was in charge is still missing till today. Remember her name? Ruja Ignatova. Ruja Ignatova. She's still missing till today. Some think she's dead, some think she's alive, but she's changed the, the, the BBC, FBI, she's on FBI most wanted list. Disappeared with a few billions of dollars, most of which came out of Africa. See, there's a reason why people remain poor. Once you are looking for quick money, your poverty has been, is settling more, is settling more. Most of that money that wicked soul stole, she took out of Africa. Can you believe that? Because they were the ones gullible enough to think you just give somebody a thousand dollars and you go home and sit down. And after six months, it'll be ten thousand dollars. And after one year, it'll be fifty thousand dollars. Like I tell you all the time, if it really worked, human beings are too wicked to share it with you. If it really worked, they won't share it with you. What they will do is go to the bank. How much is the bank charging? They will borrow the money. They will sell their father's land. They will do everything, borrow the money and increase their own money. They won't share it with you. Like they say, this is a law in business. If it's too good to be true, it is not true. That's why it's too good to be true. I saw one woman tell me one day, I said, what happened? She was crying. Why did you cry? Said they, they, they said if you put 400,000 naira, at the end of one month you get 800,000. I looked at her. I said, people like you still exist. I, did, I didn't know anybody would fall for that. He said, boss, it was working. I said, 
wait, you give me 400,000 naira at the beginning of the month. At the end of the month, I give 800,000 naira. Are you okay? Why, why will, where would the money come from? That's what some boys come meet me one day. They say they have developed, Kingdom Wado, they say they have developed a machine. A generator that does not use fuel. Now, they don't know they are talking to a man who knows science. You know, I know small science. He said that they developed this generator. It does not use fuel. So I said, what does he use? He said, no, they have an induction motor method. By which when you turn it on, it starts spinning without. So I kept on looking. I said, where does the energy come from? They said, no, it's just from the coil and all of that. I said, ah, wait, I was confused. I said, wait, the energy must come from somewhere. They said, no, that's the way the design is. That they are afraid that um, that people not go and kill them now because they're about to disrupt the international oil, the, the power industry. I said, but you have not told me where your energy is coming from. They said, no, it doesn't come from anywhere. I said, ah. <laughs> Basic law of uh, physics and chemistry. Energy has to come from somewhere. It can't be created out of nothing. I didn't know how to tell them that. Are you guys like this? Are you people spooking me? Are you, is it, are you, am I being punked? Because I couldn't get it. Of course, they were deceiving themselves. I took one of my friends. He said, ah. he, said he gave me the, the years ago, America outlawed any design. They stopped patenting any design that claims to be a perpetual motion machine. Go and read that one up. That was the first time I even heard it. Perpetual motion machine. Every machine must have energy input to remain in motion. What nonsense are you telling me? Some more just you just sit down in your house, just give you money. Money will just be raining from somewhere. You didn't ask yourself from where. Anyway, it didn't work. That's why she was crying. Because she put her money, put money for her relative, borrow money, put after putting every money, the whole thing did what? It collapsed. So after some time, I saw her one day. They were doing less partner with you. <laughs> There's another they were doing that time. Before, uh, okay, I think, no, this was after MMM. Ultimate cyclone. So I called her, I said, I said, Madam, come. She was looking at me and smiling. I said, did you put money in that one? She did. I said, I said answer me, did you put money? He said, it's only 2,000. I said, you have not. <laughs> I said, you haven't learned anything. I said, obviously, you have not learned anything. Please, don't be tempted. What did I say? See, don't even be tempted. I'm begging you. Please, turn to your neighbor. Say, don't be tempted. Say, if you are sure it works, hate the money. Yes, that is that it works. Say, I won't spend that money. Quick gain. Don't want it. I hope I get my point. Oh, God, I'm trying to stick on our teaching for today. What's the teaching? That listen, people of God. God has his method. In fact, that takes me to the next thing. One reason, and that reason why we don't receive from God. Is this refusal to acknowledge the precepts of God. In fact, the scripture I want us to read is Psalm 66. Psalm number 66. We're talking about why we don't receive answers from God. Psalm number 66, are you there? It's a very well-known portion of the scriptures. David said, from verse 17, 
Okay, let me just read from verse 16. Even to verse 18 is where I am going. Uh, so we'll read from verse, Psalm number 66. I'll read from verse 16 and end the chapter, which is verse 20. David said, Come and hear all who fear God. I will tell of what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. Now notice verse 18, which is the main verse I want here. If I regard wickedness in my heart or iniquity in my heart, he said, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his, nor his loving kindness from me. Now, I'm going to interpret verse 18 in an interesting way. Now, please follow this carefully. David said, if I regard wickedness in my heart, or if I regard iniquity in my heart, he said, the Lord will not hear me. The Lord will not have listened to me. Now, what does he call iniquity or wickedness? Now, remember, we have established that all unrighteousness is what? Is sin. Now, of course, we know the truth, basic truth. If you decide to remain a sinner, God will not listen. The overt sins that we all know about. You can't, you know, there's what is called mocking God. I've seen people try to do it all the time. They are not willing to repent from sin. But they want God to answer them. I've even seen people who threaten God with sin. That if you just don't answer me, I'll go and commit. I don't need to preach along that line, okay? But let me just drop it in person. It's yourself you will hurt. God will never be threatened. He will never. Eli will tell Job, if you commit iniquity, is it him you hurt? Is it not normal people like yourself? And this one is even your own self you want to commit sin against. <laughs> there, was, there was one small girl, very foolish girl. It really happened. She asked God that she wanted to get engaged to this kind of person. But it's also and so and so did. And God did, God did answer her. And me, an ordinary human father. There are things my children will say, a slap, they'll use it to collect. They will now go and tell God. I want to be engaged by so and so and so date to this kind of person. Of course, God didn't answer. So you know how she paid God back? She became sexually loose. And God looked like, hey, my Godship has now reduced. I used to be a big God now. Before, a very great God. Now I'm just great. And if this guy continues, I'll become not too great. They finally, like, like uh, Hitchin said, I will now be not great. Why? Because of the sin of one stupid little girl. That's I just don't have your time yet. You are still a small girl. When you grow older, I will kill you and send you to hellfire. Let me just give you time to repent. Yeah, it really happened. This really happened. I'm not telling you a hypothetical story. All right? The other one said that he has, I have given God till December. By December, he must settle me with a husband. Otherwise, I'm just going to get a child out of wedlock. So God began to cry. Hey, <laughs> I don't have where to stay in heaven again. They are denying me my Godship. In case you are like that, let me tell you what God is saying. I will punish you. 
I will make you hate life itself. The very thing you are looking for, I will give it to you, and you will be the most hated thing in your life. Don't dare me. Me and you are not mates. I send people to hell. I don't like it, but I do it. Then I take them and hell and put the two of them into the lake of fire. And if you try me again, I carry the lake of fire and put into a fairy furnace. Who won't try me? People, they talk like you're talking about God. As if. I've told you, there are two Jesuses. Oh. The first Jesus has expired. The second Jesus is the one reigning now. He said, Pastor Bank, which one is the first Jesus? The one that you will slap. And say, Professor, who slapped you? That one died on the cross and they buried him. The current Jesus, <laughs> that one, when he shows up, mountain will melt. Don't, don't dare him. The, the resurrected Jesus, he's king of kings and lord of lords. At his coming, mountains don't only melt, they melt like wax. You know, the way wax melts before fire. That's how the rocks, igneous rocks, melt at his coming. Don't just try him at all. John, that used to put air like this, say, Lord, who is it that you're talking about? And Jesus would say, it's Judas. So just watch you. The one that says, Judas, are you serious? When he saw him, he fell at his feet as one dead. Don't try him. For those who don't, I just want to add that one. Don't mock him. Don't joke with him. If he gets angry, you don't want to be near. You don't want to be, look, when Jesus wants to be angry, just travel. When Jesus says, I'm angry with the people of Enugu, you will beg and beg. If he says, no, just say, which day are you coming? <laughs> Once he tells you, three nights before, start moving. Move as far away as possible. Can I digress? I don't know if you have been following the news. When I saw what happened in Maui, you know, been following the news? One of the Hawaiian islands. Jesus, I didn't know it was possible. People sit in their homes and fire will literally fall from the sky, set the house on fire and kill them. I said, which sin you not commit? Were you dancing naked? You know, because I'm just wondering. You know, there are things you do. Jesus will just get angry. The Lord is good. I hope somebody has listened to my warning. Let's not, let's, let's not joke with the Lord. All right? Now, what was I trying to say just before I went into that? Regard iniquity, yes. So now, there's that kind of overt iniquity which can't play with God. All right? But there's another thing I want to, be, to, to bear in mind. If I regard iniquity in my heart, there are different forms of sin. The word of God, all right, has different aspects. We've discussed it before. There are the promises of God. And then there are the precepts of God. Anytime you come to God in prayer, one thing you must learn, if you come to ask him for anything, ask him what are the right precepts so I can receive this from you. If you regard disobedience to the precepts in your heart, he will not listen. Every blessing in life has precepts. Let me give an example. God said to, of course, I'm adding many things together. But most importantly, I'm taking it from the book of Malachi. He told the priests, of course, you also find this from 1 Samuel. If you add these two together, you will find what I'm saying there. God said to be my priest is a promise. So if you want priesthood in your life, let's just take it as an example. Priesthood requires one critical thing. 
you must learn how to honor God and treat his sacrifices with respect. If you go and check, the problem God had with, of course, the household of Eli, he sent the man of God to them and he told them that because you have not, no, he said, whoever honors me, I will do what? I will honor. That your children, it was an Eli, they have disregarded me, they've re- disregarded my sacrifices. They have held the things that I hold in honor in contempt. Therefore, I'm rejecting you and your whole household. He said, yes, I know I saw to the house of your fathers, that they are going to stand before me as priests forever. He said, but now, that's the children of Aaron. He said, now, far be it from me. Time will not let us open there, but you will find it if you go to First Samuel. He said, now, far be it from me. Because the person that honors me is the person I will do what? I will honor. Now, if you go to Malachi, he said the same thing. What I've just quoted now is First Samuel chapter 2. You'll find that in verse 30. Okay? But I've quoted this, so I will not read it. Okay? But if you go to Malachi, the same thing. He said, the commandment is to you, O priests. Let me open that one so that we can read it together. The chapter 2. He said, now this commandment is for you, O priests. If you do not listen, and if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed I have cursed them already, because you are not taking it to heart. Now, you will see what he said. Go to verse 4. I'm jumping some lines. He said, then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him as an object of reverence. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. He said, true instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. He turned many back from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge. And men should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. He said, but as for you, you have turned aside from the way. And have caused many to stumble by the instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. Says the Lord of hosts. Now I'm going to stop reading here. You know what God said? My people perish for lack of knowledge. He said, but because we have rejected knowledge, the same thing, I was talking to the priests. Therefore, I will reject you from being my priest. Now, I'm going somewhere here. See, every blessing has precepts. Everybody say that out loud. Every blessing has precepts. David said in Psalm 66, if you reject the precepts, God will not hear you. Many times people have come to me for counsel. Now, let me tell you something about the presence of God. They are not hard, but they can appear hard. They come against your ego, yourself, your flesh. One day, a young man came to me. Of course, people don't come to me. I think, you know, sometimes, maybe your other spiritual or physical, I don't know, your reputation just spreads, so people don't bother you with some things. He came for Kingdom World Meeting. First time I was seeing him. He said, what I wanted to see. He wanted to see me. I said, okay, what's the problem? He said, his father married another wife. The father has his mother as the first wife. They went and married a second wife. 
and that now his father is not paying attention to them again in the family. They're the children of the first wife. So I'm wondering what has that got to do with Kingdom World Ministries and the presiding pastor? Please, thank you. He said whether I could help him. So I'm like, excuse me, your father married a second wife. So what do you now want me to do? That, he, that I could be giving him money. So I said, me or the ministry? So he quickly did two plus two in his head. I can't tell the man to be giving me money. He's not my father. He said, the ministry. I said, we're a teaching ministry. We're not a gift to the people that their father married a second wife ministry. I just looked at the little boy. I said, this boy not get sense. I didn't know him. I didn't have time to counsel him. Sometimes what people like that need is to kneel down. Don't take sides with your mother. Leave your mother first. Because your mother is not, obviously is not bringing the money. And since the man has the money, <laughs> the young man, I'm telling you, please, if you marry a second wife, you are not his first wife. Let his first wife quarrel over that one. Some people are looking at me and say, this man, are you serious? I will stick with my mother. That's why you don't have money. Go and tell your father, please, daddy, this thing you are doing, I will be praying for you. I don't think it's good. Meanwhile, let me go and wash your motor car. Wash his car while whistling. Make sure he's seeing it. If it is eye service, as long as the car is clean. Then when you see his new wife, salute. Good morning, stepmom. If you do what I have said, you have your school fees. He said, no, I'm going to God to pray. He will not listen to you. He will call and say, you come. Who made you a judge and an arbiter between your father and your mother? Say nobody. What are you? You are a son to your father and a son to your mother. A son honors his father. Don't get into the when two elephants quarrel. Such small, small children like that, they will stomp on their heads. Just let the man and his wife quarrel in peace. I know many of you are like this pastor who are not listening to you again. Want to support righteousness. I'm teaching you the word of God. Pastor, what you are saying, does it now mean? It doesn't mean anything. It just means that you are not his judge. Don't jeopardize your school fees. <laughs> because you want to be the one to settle something that God is supposed to settle. You go and pray. You don't dishonor your father because he's quarreling with your mother. I hope you're getting my point. I know all of you are not happy with me. You know me, it's truth I tell. With these two boys are looking at me like, can this man be serious? I'm very, very serious. <laughs> I am not saying what the man did is good. Did I say so? What I'm saying is that you are not the solution. I hope you are getting my point. In fact, it's because of people like you that is angrier with your mother. Say, she has poisoned the hearts of my children against me. And I said, me, I should pray that God will bring money for your school fees. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pray that God will reconcile the heart of the son to the father. You are going to go home and tell them. You make it clear that, Daddy, I'm not in support, but there's nothing I can do. Can I wash your motor car? You wash it. Where are your clothes? You wash them. I'm not sorry your father. I think he's high on something. I think he's very wicked. But I'm just saying that it is not your duty. Don't come and meet me to be praying. Because you decided to enter a fight that's not your fight. I hope you're getting my point. 
Some of you, that's why you go to the office. They will sack you for nothing because your government married a second wife and you are getting involved in the quarrel between your boss and his family. What did concern you? Say, sir, in this office, I will never agree for nonsense. It's okay. I sack you. <laughs> they walk in, scratching his head. They say, this was the bank here. I don't get him fully. Your office is not the church, is it? Is your boss born again? Eh? So why are we having this discussion? <laughs> You're signing for righteousness in another person's house. <laughs> I know what I know. What, anyway, I pray you get my point. Let's get back to the issue of um, precepts. No matter how much you dislike, you disagree what the man has done, which I think is wrong. I, pre- I personally think is wrong. In fact, one guy told me the other day, he said, I don't drive my wife. I said, what did you do? He said, hey, me? I said, he said, very soon I'll call you to go and follow me to go and marry another woman. I said, don't call me. Don't call me. I said, don't worry. Just calm down. I said, you, you know the kind of human being you are. I said, don't worry. Your wife will come back. He said, no. She's a very, very foolish woman. I said, there's no need. We will calm down. After we calm down, we'll go and bring her back. So don't think I agree with your father. I am just saying, if God has given the man money to pay your school fees, I hope you are getting my point. Don't bother praying that God should bring money from elsewhere. He will not. He will tell you, go back home. Go and be a good example. Show the man honor in his wickedness. So you can pray. So some people, they can't even pray. If they want to pray, God won't even listen. You're not talking to the man. Why would God listen to you? One of our sisters here, the other day, gave me a testimony. Sat me down here. She said she wanted to share her testimony, but she missed the meeting that day with two testimonies. She said, let me give you my personal testimony. She said, one day I was preaching. And I said, no matter how your father has done, pray for you. She said, she looked at me like, it's not your fault now. You don't know the kind of father I have. That's how this young woman was looking at a man of God. She confessed by herself. She said, so one day, she, she, of course, she was very angry with me. She said, this one you are saying, Pastor Banky, I love you and listen to you. The Lord bless you and this ministry. But this one, are not great. So, one, so of course, of course, you know me, <laughs> me and the Holy Spirit, we have this witchcraft thing that we, we do. We didn't let her sleep. So she was dreaming of me and the Holy Spirit. She wants to sleep. I'll just do it like this. <laughs> For this, she was restless. Then finally, one day she said she woke up during the night and said, God, please. I beg you. You know, this is hard. I forgot exactly how she did that part. But finally, God softened her heart and she got on her knees and told the Lord that I forgive my father. And she felt ease instantly. And she began to pray for him. You know why he was giving me testimony? He said her father has been drinking all her life. That day was the last day he drank. If a part of the quarrel was the alcohol, He said, can I believe that that day was the last day the man drank anything? He said, for the first time, the man will call her on the phone and joke with her and bless her and tell her something like, I'm praying for you. She's looking like, what? This was what I wanted to deny myself of when I said I will not agree. Said the day she knelt down and prayed was the day God delivered the man. So this anger you are carrying up and down is not going to do anything. 
See, every anger is justified, at least for good children of God. So does it make it right? That's the point I'm trying to make. You may think you're justified, but doesn't make it right. I'm talking about precepts. So you say, okay, God says, you will go and honor. See this one, you're broke. You're not broke because I don't have money. I'm not sending money from anywhere. I gave your school fees to that man. Go and honor him. I know what he did is wrong, but I say go and honor him. Honor doesn't mean you like him. And when you get up in the morning, you're from, from, you from my part of the country, you prostrate and greet normally. And you take the rag and the bucket and go and wash the motor car. Clean it inside and outside. I hope you're getting my point. I'm not saying your mother is wrong. I'm just saying you can't take sides. I'm making clear to your mother, maybe somebody listening to me, that mommy, I'm not taking sides. I'll take sides with righteousness. So I agree with you 100%. But I will remain a son to him and I will remain a son to you. And tell him, if he says, if you follow your mother, I will never talk to you again. Say, Daddy, I can't do that. Seek at the scripture. He said, honor your father and your mother. So, I'm living here, there's no problem. But I will go and visit my mother. Yeah, do what, do what I have said. He will rake, he will calm down. I'm telling you, now, I'm not giving you advice. I'm commanding that he will calm down. He will. He will calm down. Make it clear to him that, no. Why am I saying this? Because sometimes, eh, there are precepts people break in zeal, personal zeal. I hope you're getting my point. And therefore, they deny blessings. I don't know how many of you listen to Pastor Corey this well. On Kingdom World Radio, it was re-aired this morning. Um, Real Men with Pastor Corey. I caught a bit of it this morning. When he was talking about, one day he and his father had a disagreement at home. So he was very angry, very angry. And then he went home and calmed down. And God told him calmly. The Holy Spirit, and I was praying, said, you are very wrong. He was like, ah, ah, no, Lord, Lord, how can you say I'm wrong? He showed everything. God said, I know, but you are still wrong. He didn't give details. But the point is that the issues, his father was wrong. But the Holy Spirit said, I'm not talking about your father. I'm talking about your reaction. So you will go back and go and tell him, I'm sorry. Like he said in that message, if you listen to it, he said, otherwise you are going to turn out worse than him. I've told this story here before. Of a young man, he and his siblings, they, 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 rigged, they had a big showdown with their father. Their parents, both of them actually, father and mother. Grown children, like, how can you do like that? They had a big shouting match. Bed their hearts, you know. People say, don't speak your mind. Can, you, can I just tell you the truth? It's not every time you speak your mind. Though. Some nonsense in your mind, don't let it come out. Let it die there. So this one, they spoke their mind, everything. <laughs> At the end of the Holy Spirit, just call one of them and say, this is all of you, you'll die for nothing. Come, let me rescue you. I pray for you that your faith will not fail. Anyway, the Lord dragged him. He said, suddenly his conscience smote him, like the Bible says. He went back to his parents and prostrated fully on the ground and said he was sorry. And his father pointed at him and said, you, it will go well with you. And of all the four or five children, he was the only one that was prospering the family. The other ones, nothing worked for them. Either it is work or marriage or career or business, it didn't work. The father said, you, it will go well with you. They didn't say he was right, though. That the father was right. But that he came back and said, I can't dishonor him. And the man pronounced a blessing and said, you, 
it will go well with you. Every blessing has precepts. Many times in life, when we're asking for blessings, God says, you know, follow the precepts. And that's where the problem often is. We don't like the precepts. Because the precepts, sometimes they can hurt the flesh. It involves going back home and telling your father that you're very wrong. It involves sending money to a man you don't like. As your father, you know, are you getting my point? Because sometimes some of these fathers, eh, they behave like Ogbanji spirits. I know. I've helped. I've, I've, I've counseled people before. I said, block your father's number. Yeah. I told the woman, block his number. Block it. That is, block it. Just you know they go block concrete. Yeah. Pour concrete on his number. He can't call you. Because this is a temptation of the devil. I said, he can't call you. So I'm not saying that I, I, I don't know. I know things like that happen. And I've counseled people, don't talk to him. Yeah. I said, however, send his monthly allowance. If you he were here, he's sick. He's angry with you. Send the money to your sister. Let him forward to him. Make sure he doesn't lack for food, doesn't lack for clothing, doesn't lack for medicine, anything he needs, give him. But, and also check whether he needs to see a psychiatrist. I'm telling you, somebody I told somebody. So God, the way he's behaving like his head is not correct. I said, we will not say because his head is not correct, we will not, not let him carry away our blessing to the grave. No, now. So I quite appreciate that sometimes you do that. I told the young woman, I said, block his number. Don't, don't talk to him again. But I said, but. Oh no. It's not the same thing as I'm talking to you. The money you are sending, don't say because of anger. You make sure that he's hungry. I said, no. Send him his money. Send him food. Send him clothing. Make sure he's comfortable. If he will not bless you directly, God will use the gifts you have given him, a sign of honor, to circumvent that and bless you by himself. If I one day, <laughs> I was preaching here, I just said something. And the person I'm talking about went home told his sister, said, Pastor Bank preached something today. I think our, dad, our father is going to die soon. The man died the following month. The following month, the man died. And I could connect it from the things that I said. I'm not saying I'm the one that pronounced the judgment. But I just made certain statements. She just heard it. Told his sister, he's going. Why? Pastor said something today. And I think that's it. If not, if not the following month, then shortly after that. So, anyway, back to the point I was trying to make. Alright? Precepts. There are things. Let me give an example. You're praying for prosperity. God says, I have heard. I heard you. There are a number of precepts. Number one. You've heard now. There's no hurry. You can't be praying for prosperity and like quick money. You will never listen. Because I will teach you what it means to prosper. Go and read it. Jesus said, go and tell John what you both see and hear. What did he say? The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. When I read that, I said, hey, what is he saying? It's a process. You don't make people wealthy overnight. When somebody says, I will lay hands on you and bring the curse of poverty, tell him, don't bother. Jesus did that already. Teach me precepts by which I will step into prosperity. If somebody says that that day pastor came or apostle came 
and he lay hands on me the next day, just know that his time was ripe. It's not the apostolic anointing that suddenly made him prosper. The Bible says when the clouds are full, they pour forth rain upon the earth. Sometimes the time has come. There's just a little something, a trigger, to break the, you know, the dam open, to break the thing into manifestation. They don't want to camp around that and want to use it as a sign of this man is anointed. <laughs> Have you heard that thing before? I, I did it once or twice, but I don't do it anymore. So if you want to key into that testimony, you give an offering. Now, it's not kingdom word, but I was in the church. People were key. After some, I said, you stop talking to us? I said, Lord, I won't say it again. He said, did you hear that testimony? Praise God. Now, I've not done this in 20 years. I'm just telling you that. that was, okay, but they did it like 50 times. Me, I did it only like twice. <laughs> now, only two times I do. He said, that testimony, if you want to key into that testimony, you will give an offering. <laughs> I can just imagine listening to me say, give her a wound. <laughs> Stop talking nonsense, my friend. Rejoice with those that rejoice who rejoice. We're not keen into anything. I'm going to deceive everybody because they want to. So I say, ah, wow. Everybody said that would be my portion. If you said that, you rush forward right now with the heavy seed in your hand. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's called income. You know, church income. We're trying to gather money. You know the truth. The pastors, it's iniquity. This is, look, this is a pastor. It's bad. Not take and play. Some pastors think it's a joke. I know how to twist it and squeeze it. One man said that they said, ah, that meeting was powerful. He said, how much was the offering? It was powerful. How much was the offering? Because if it doesn't reflect in the offering, it was not powerful. And we say it will turn into a joke. Brethren, it's not good. What did I say? It's not good. Odero good. Odero good. It's not good at all. The Lord is good. So nobody can break with one layer and hand, just change your life overnight. That's the matter. It doesn't happen. If you hear that it happened, listen to me, the cloud became what? Full. It's possible that anointing triggered a release in somebody whose cloud was just about to fill up or had become full. Just had break something loose. It's possible. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. For example, Abraham received the angels unawares. And he found out he had received the Lord. And the Lord said to him, by this time, next year, do you realize that after 24 years of working with God, if he had received that same Lord 15 years before that time, give that to you. These things were being piled up. So when a particular time was ripe, God said, this is now the time. The Lord now visited. And then, that thing, the cloud became full. And it began to pour forth rain on the earth. Let me end it there. We must learn what? Precepts. We must learn precepts. We can't keep iniquity in our hearts. We must learn the precepts of God and walk by them. That's what they call faith and what? Patience. Patience is not just waiting. Sitting down doing nothing. The period of patience or the period of waiting, what the Bible calls patience, is a period of active transformation by the word of God into the person that can receive the blessing. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. The period that the Bible calls patience, said through faith and patience we inherit the promises. That period that we describe as patience, the period of patience, is a period not of idle waiting, 
but of active transformation into the person that can receive the blessing. So when we are waiting, we are learning precepts. We are learning precepts. We are learning precepts. Let me tell you something. Spiritual things are interesting. There are things you can receive. There are things you can't receive. No matter how hard you pray for something, there are things you can't receive. No matter how hard you pray for something, there are things you cannot receive. So when you pray, what God simply does is to continue to transform you. Why did it take Abraham 25 years to receive Isaac? Because it took God the 24 years before that final visit to transform Abraham into the person that will carry a child as special as Isaac. And to be prepared to go on into the postgraduate studies into which we mature, by which we mature, into somebody who can give up Isaac. I hope you're getting my point. Whatever you are praying God, to God for, you have to be continually transformed into the person that can receive it. And except we are constantly doing that, we find ourselves waiting long, needlessly. I hope you're getting my point. Until Hannah made that prayer to God, willing to yield her firstborn, God said, you are going to continue fighting Penina. You are going to continue fighting Penina. And there's nothing I can do about it. That's why you need to pray, God, teach me the precepts necessary. Can we bow down our heads? Let's spend the next few minutes praying that prayer. Lord, teach me the precepts necessary. Say, Lord, teach me the precepts necessary for that that I'm to receive from your hands. You must pray that prayer this evening. Say, Lord, teach me the precepts. Teach, Lord, the precepts necessary to me. Correct me where I need correction. Instruct me where I need instruction. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, train my heart to be able to receive your glory. As it is written, bring down the mountains, elevate the valleys. He said, he said, make a smooth way for the Lord in the wilderness. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see together. Say, Lord, what mountains do I need to bring down? What valleys do I need to lift up? Lord, what mountains must I bring down? What valleys must I lift up? When your heart is ready, it will command a blessing. It will command a blessing. It will command a blessing. He said, then the glory of God will be revealed. And all eyes will see together. Like we prayed last time from that Psalm 139. Pray it again. Say, Lord, test me. Say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Lord, purify my heart. By the entrance of the word. He said that he might wash her with the washing of water by the word. Say, Lord, give me a word that will purify me. 
Let me not reject correction when it will come. Because I know you are training me, forming me into the person that can receive your blessing. Thank you, Father.